0: Work like you don't need the money, love like you've never been hurt, dance like nobody's watching. That is a quote by Satchel Page. Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Welcome to episode 142. The topic of this week's episode is From Law to Love Stories. My guest this week is Raina Martin-Ginton. Raina attended college and law school at Yale. For many years, she practiced as an appellate attorney with a public defender's office before turning to writing full-time. Her work has been published widely online and in print. Her debut novel, Unreasonable Doubts, was named a finalist- for the Women's Fiction Writer Association Star Award in 2019. Her first novel for children is titled, My Name is Layla. And her latest novel, Both Are True, will be published in October 2021. Hi, Raina. Welcome to Trina Talk.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: I am excited to be speaking with you. You have a interesting Background. Um, And before we go into it, I'll just let you tell the listeners tell us who you are and what made you the Reina that you are today.
1: Sure. Wow. Um, So I'm a uh, married mom of two. I live outside of New York City. And for many, many years, I practiced law. Um, For the last 20 years or so, I was doing criminal appeals for a public defender's office. Um, and I left that job in 2014 uh, without much of an idea what I was going to do next. And I started taking some writing classes. And um, this coming Monday, my my third novel is going to be published. So I've been very, very focused on writing uh, pretty much full time since I left practicing. Wow! So that's interesting. So you go from being an attorney
0: to an author. Now, was this all was writing always a passion of yours? And I know being an attorney, you do write. Uh, but was that ever an aspiration of yours to be an author or how did you come to do this?
1: Yeah, I I would say not really. I mean, I, I like to tell the story of there was a woman in my first year law school class who really wanted to be a writer. She didn't I suppose she must have wanted to be an attorney or thought that she did, but by the time we were done with our first year, she had dropped out. And by the time we graduated from law school, she had a published novel. So I kind of look at her and I say, wow, she really wanted to be a writer, not so much an attorney. And I really wanted to be an attorney. I didn't really have any, I always liked to write. I think I always was a pretty good writer, but I certainly didn't have any aspirations to write a novel other than the kind that you have, you know, where you your dream at night and you wake up and you're writing a book, but, you know, not, not really anything practical. So, um, as I say, when I left my job, I really didn't know what I was going to be doing. And a friend of mine told me she was taking a writing class at a local um, college that had sort of a writing program for adults and not for credit, um, kind of program that anyone could go to. And I went with her and I really got hooked. And now I I really feel like i found a second lease on, you know what I wanted to do with my life.
0: Wow. Now, what made you leave law? Was it you know, a turn of events or was it something you had been looking to do? What what was the impetus that made you say, "Okay, I'm done with law and I'm going to do something else?"
1: So, the job that I had it was a, a very challenging job. I was representing people that had been convicted of felonies in the state of New York who were appealing their convictions to the next highest court. And it was a very rewarding job. You, you really felt like you were in there with these people um, trying to get them a second chance at either, you know, another trial or at getting out. Um, but I always had the feeling that I didn't really know the whole story. I, I I had that feeling when I was writing that I knew a lot about what happened at the time of the crime and sometimes a little bit what happened before and a little bit what happened after, but I never knew the whole story. And you know that that's okay you don't usually really need to know to do that kind of work but if you're somebody who's curious about people and who's interested in understanding stories it's it's hard after a while and I just kind of got burned out after you know when I was there almost 20 years so I I felt like I gave it a good (laughs) a good shake (laughs) but um but I really kind of wanted to expand the way I thought about some of these issues and and my first book was based on a case that I had. um, And writing fiction allowed me to kind of fill in all the blanks that that there was no way for me to know in real life, right? Like I, I couldn't know what had gone on in this kid, I say kid, because a lot of them were young. Um, You know, I didn't know what happened in his background. I didn't know much about his family. I certainly couldn't have told you anything about his first love or whether there was a teacher that was important to him or any of those kinds of things. But when you write fiction, you can fill in all those blanks. And they it was kind of very satisfying for me. Um, so that's, in the end, kind of where I figured I i might do a little more good um, in some ways, actually making things up.
0: Wow. So let's talk about your book. And, and you said, you know, they're fiction and you like to fill in the gaps. What kind of fiction is it? Is it like a
1: suspense?
0: Is it romance? What is it?
1: So the first book um, is called Unreasonable Doubts, and it's kind of a romantic legal thriller. Um, It's about a young public defender who worked in an office in the book very much like the office that um, I worked in. It was definitely inspired by true events. Um, And the part that was purely fictional was that she gets assigned to a client who she sort of begins to fall for a little bit. So she has a, a less than arms length transaction, let's just say with this client. Um and that certainly never happened to me. But um but the case that it was based on was something as I say that I had worked on. It was a a sexual assault case and um you know and it was just really I I guess it's kind of suspenseful. You you hopefully guessing all the way through whether he's actually guilty of the crime or not. Um so that that's a legal book. Um, the one that's coming out shortly is also based on the law. It's based on a um, the main character of a family court judge. Mm-hmm. And um, I worked also for a number of years in family court. And that's just like the most intense emotional place there is, I think. Um, and everything passes through there. Abuse, neglect, delinquency, adoptions, um, you know, all the, you know, guts. Mm-hmm of family life. And um, so that's kind of the the scene for that book. Um, And the one in the middle I wrote was actually a middle grade novel. um, And it's about a young girl who has undiagnosed dyslexia, Mm. and um, kind of the struggles that she faces and how she eventually gets uh, some people on board to understand that she has problem and, um, and gets the help that she needs. So
0: that's interesting. So I'm going to circle back, but from your law romance thriller, you did this one that's kind of geared towards the youth.
1: What made you do that? Um, I was actually waiting for the first book to be published, and I wasn't sure what, uh, again, I wasn't sure what I was doing with my time and whether I had another book in me. Um, And I decided to take this class about writing for youth. And I, um, I got in there and I'm kind of very susceptible to uh, both suggestions and um, deadlines. So the way it worked was it was a workshop and you had to have like 10 pages ready each week to have the other readers critique. And I just you know, I'm kind of that kind of student. I don't like to go in and not have my assignment done. (laughs) So every week I pretty much wrote a chapter of this book. And over the course of the year, I, you know, I ended up with a pretty good draft of, um, of this book and, and it was great. I mean, it really forced me to kind of delve back into my 14 year old self (laughs) and try to remember what those emotions were. And, you know, a lot of people have asked me whether I have dyslexia or whether my kids have dyslexia and they don't. Um, I think you can, You can research enough to kind of write in a credible way without actually having to experience it. But the things that I did experience were certainly being a 14-year-old and understanding those emotions and how you feel and how you feel about your friends and how you feel about your family and the frustrations. Um, So... Yeah, it was great. I mean, you know, I'm not sure I know too many people that would go back to middle school voluntarily, (laughs) but um, yeah. But for a little while, when you're writing a book, it's it's not too bad. Yeah,
0: I wouldn't. I wouldn't go back. (laughs) No, I wouldn't go back. So, with your other books, your your romance, law thrillers, when you were writing these, and like you said, I think you said your first one was kind of based off of a case. Are you writing, and you're taking what you know, but then you're also adding? The fiction part of it, where you're thinking, "Hmm, would have been interesting if this case had a turned out this way."
1: Sure. I mean, I definitely. First of all, I changed all the facts mm-hmm. just because it's not it's not right, right to write about a person and and not change um, the critical facts. But um, yeah, I mean, in 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 real life, the case, in fact, although I did although I did win him a new trial, it was much more cut and dried on the facts. Of his guilt. I mean, there there was not really an argument to make that he wasn't guilty. There, there was a very critical legal issue that went in his favor, um, which also comes out in the book. But in the book, I tried to make it much less clear whether he was guilty or not guilty. And you know, and part of the reason for that was that I did want her, the lawyer, to take a romantic interest in him, and that wasn't something she could do unless she actually believed he was innocent. Right. Because, you know, he, he, he was otherwise kind of a really bad guy and she was way too sensible to kind of fall in with that. Um, So definitely I, you know, I, I changed a lot of the scenario to make it, you know, and because it was a sexual assault case to make it less clear, whether the woman in the case had consented, to the relationship or not. Um, in, in real life, there was no issue of consent. She, Mm -hmm. she had not consented. Mm.
0: That sounds interesting. So are these two books, are they part of a series or are they just separate?
1: No, they're, they're pretty much standalone. Um, yeah, all different characters. They, they're both set in New York city. So they kind of have that character in common and the city really does play a big role in both books. Um, which isn't to say that you can't enjoy it if you're not from New York city, but, but if you do love New York city, like I do, then it, you know, there is kind of an added element there.
0: Wow. Will you ever do like a series?
1: Um, I don't know. It's, it's been fun meeting with the kids about my middle grade book. And a lot of them have asked me if there might be a sequel oh. to that, you know, they'd like to know now that she's getting help and she's doing better, what happens to her. Um, and you know, and that's possible. I might, I might continue that on. Um, but we'll see.
0: I don't know. Oh, you know, and that's interesting because it seems like your book for the youth is an empowering book to help the youth be empowered by what they're going through. Um, I hope so. Yeah. And, you know, and it's, and I'm thinking that's really great. Um, I have two teenagers, myself, a 16 and a 14 year old, and I'm thinking things like cyberbullying and things like that were, are, that are really prevalent today. That would be really good for them to have something that they could, you know, touch and read and it's real.
1: Right. I mean, there's, there's, you know, a bullying uh, element in, in this book also, because she does have this learning difference and the kids are not too nice to her about it in her class. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, the good part about this, I think about the middle grade book is that I hope it's, I hope it's not just for kids that struggle with these particular issues, because I think what is nice about it is that it kind of points out that everybody has issues and some of them you can't see. Right. Like, you know, a lot of the kids, I don't know what it's like where you are, but a lot of the kids here, the curriculum includes a book called Wonder. I don't know if your kids have read that. They, they might enjoy it. And it's a book about a, a child that has um, a particular craniofacial issue where his appearance is is drastically altered from the normal appearance of a child. It well, was a movie, and wasn't it? It was a movie okay, also. Yeah. I haven't seen the movie, but I've read the book. Um, and it's a great book. And it also deals a lot with bullying and, you know, learning how to be kind to people. But the thing that, you know, I was trying to get across was something a little bit different, which is, you know, in, in that book, particular issue was incredibly rare, right? It was like a one in a million genetic chance that this kid has this issue. And it was also incredibly apparent, right? Like, as soon as you see this kid, you know, he's got an issue. So you're immediately faced with the choice of how do I react to this? Do I look away? Do I be helpful? Do I try to, you know, see what's going on here? And with something like dyslexia, it's really like an invisible challenge that the kids face. And it's, first of all, it's incredibly prevalent. It's something like close to 25% of the population, which I mm-hmm. had no idea until I started looking into it. And yet it can be very serious. I mean, it's something that really can, you know, set a child back and put real, you know, blocks in their development. And, you know, and it's not something you can see, it's not something, you know, necessarily that gets diagnosed right away. And it's not something that other people around you can be aware of and be helpful. And, and I guess my point was sort of like, you know what, there's, there's all sorts of things like that. Like, it's not just learning differences, like you, you know, you can look at a kid and not know that they're, you know, they're having financial issues at home, or you can look at a kid and not know that they have somebody with a chronic illness at home or, or a mental illness at home, or, you know, there's just so many things. And, and we just need to be aware of our surroundings and the people around us and trying to be, you know, decent people to others without necessarily knowing what challenges they face, because we all face challenges, right. everybody. And, you know, in the books. Layla, you know, is, is very conscious of the fact that the boy across the street seems to come from like a perfect family. Mm. She sees them have dinner every night at the same time. And she says she can smell their clean laundry, you know, across the street and she thinks they're perfect, but they're not mm. perfect. She finds out later on, you know, they've also got things going on and because everybody has things going on. And, you know, I just think it's a message that I hope is heard, you know, not just by the kids with this particular learning difference, but by kids more generally. Yeah.
0: And actually, adults can learn from that as well.
1: And adults. (laughs) Yeah. Yes.
0: Exactly. Um, So what I like to always ask people is on your journey, what kind of things that you encounter? So as you left law going into being an author, what were some things that you encountered that you figured, you know what, I have to get over this. This is maybe an obstacle or I didn't think this was going to be this difficult.
1: So I think the biggest thing was when I was practicing law, I had colleagues, I had a lot of people around me, to support me and to interact and to bounce ideas off of and to socialize with. And when you're writing, that's a group and a community that you need to make for yourself. And it's not, it's not an everyday thing. You're not going to an office with other people. I know now it's a little different because a lot of people are remote, whatever. But, you know, back then, it was normal to go in and you saw your friends and you saw your colleagues and you went out to lunch. And when you're writing, you're largely sitting by yourself somewhere. Even, even if you're in a cafe, you're still basically sitting by yourself. And so forming a community, which is critical in writing, just as it is in any other pursuit, is a very active thing that you need to do. You need to sign up for classes. You need to meet people. You need to go to other writer's book launches even even if some of it is just virtual even if some of it is just joining different facebook groups and interacting with people so that you know you get to know them a little bit and you know you you can call on them if you need something and they can call on you if they need something it's it's really important and it's it is a big obstacle and it took me i mean it's it's been 7 years since i started doing this and it's taken me really till this point to feel like you know i know enough people that i'm not in this all by myself. Mm, that's a good point.
0: I never thought about it that way. And with the pandemic, how did that hinder your writing at all? Did it make it better? What did you encounter with just this whole past year?
1: Yeah, I, f- I found it difficult to be honest. Okay. Um, in, in two regards, first of all, I had the middle grade book Layla came out in January, kind of right smack in the middle of the mm-hmm. pandemic, and to make that book, you know be out there. I really need to be in schools. And schools just don't, either here in New York, they're either largely not functioning or have just gotten up and running now. Or even if they are, you know, they don't have time. They just don't have time to be dealing with this author wants to come in and do a presentation for your sixth grade. You know, they're they're really like still, you know, these kids can only walk up this staircase and these kids can only walk down their staircases. It's really crazy. So that would be one thing. And then the other side of it is my husband has been working full-time from home here since last March. So there's another person here all the time. (laughs) And, and I had my kids home here doing school for many months Mm -hmm. and my, my kids are grown, but they were in, you know, in college and doing their work and, you know, having a full house is not really conducive to doing a lot of writing. Wow. So so it's been kind of a lost year that way, but that's okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So normally, in the perfect world, you know your kids will be away at school, your husband will be at the office. Would you be at home or do you have like a place that you go to write that's just like your place?
1: no i'm I'm at home. I have a laptop a, a desktop that's like twelve years old and threatening to quit on me, you know pretty much every day and, you know, demolish all my work. Um, And yeah, my desk is in my kitchen, Mm -hmm. um, which is not good for the waistline. I can tell you that for (laughs) sure. But, um, but it's homey. I like it here. And I'm comfortable here. And yeah, I I actually did get myself a laptop a couple years ago on the theory that I might go and sit in a Starbucks or something, but it's never actually happened. Mm. So
0: what would be your advice to anyone who is leaving whatever profession that they're currently in and saying, you know what, I, I want to be a writer. I want to be the next Raina, the James, you know, Peterson and whatever. What advice would you give them?
1: Well, I guess my first advice would be don't leave your day job. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, it has to be something that you're doing for the love of doing it. There, there is, unless you are fabulously successful, there is no money in this. Um, you know, you hope that maybe by the third, fourth, fifth book, you actually really hit something and something can grow out of it. And that would be fantastic. But certainly, as a debut author, you know, there are success stories, of Mm -hmm. course, but it's really, really hard. Um, And I would say that, you know, most first books, you know, if you sell more than a few thousand copies, it's it's quite amazing. Um, you know, and of course, you will read about that occasional, incredible success story. And and that's fantastic. And I hope it's all of you. And, and I hope it's me too. Um, but it's, you know, it's really hard. So I would say, you know, for me, I was lucky that, you know, we were in a position here at home that I could devote myself to this without having to race out and get another job when I left my job. Um, But that's a very lucky thing. And it doesn't often apply. Um, So, you know, I I would definitely if you can do it, and you want to do it, it's wonderful. But it, you know, it's definitely hard. And it's worth remembering that, you know, I I don't know how some of those James Patterson types got their start. But, you know, that's something to aspire to, but it's not something to think that is, you know, necessarily going to happen.
0: I'm glad you said that because I think oftentimes people look at authors and they're like, Oh, you know, they're a New York times bestseller. They're this or that. Oh, they're rich. And so, yeah, I just need to go write a few books and yeah, I I've written a book and I know exactly what you say. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. And you know, you, whatever you get in for each, you know, book that's sold, you're going, really, that's it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that's it. So that's it's, not, it's not the profession that you're going go to go into be rich unless you are one of these well known people who has a big name and uh, right. publishers are dropping at your feet to say, okay, we want to publish your book. Um, and I think that's a, a very big misconception. People think that, yeah, writing a book is easy and people are going to buy it and read it and whoo, and this is going to be, you know, my thing to sail off into the sunset. <laughs>
1: Right.
0: (laughs) It just it just doesn't happen like that. So everybody out there listening. Yeah. Don't quit your day job. You can still write. But yeah, make sure it's something that you really love to do. Oh, my goodness. It's funny. So, Rita, we're going to go into our questions. Are you ready?
1: I guess so. I'm a little nervous, but
0: have no fear. I'm gentle.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Who
0: or what motivates you?
1: Um, I think people that face their demons motivate me, people that I can see that they are trying so hard to overcome whatever it is that challenges them. That that's what motivates me. Mm.
0: What demotivates you?
1: Mm. Um, People that are harsh, people that don't take a chance to be kind. Mm. When was
0: a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked for your good?
1: Um, you know, writing has a lot of rejections. I I got rejected by a lot of agents and, um, I think it worked for my good because I had to find a different way to get my books out there and to just say, you know what, it's not going to stop me. Mm.
0: What is your fear?
1: Uh, I fear not knowing what to do with my time. I like, I like to be busy and if I have too much downtime, it it makes me a little nervous. Mm.
0: Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't?
1: Wow. Um, yeah, can I go back to college? Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I had tried out for certain singing groups that they had at my college that I didn't. I, I sang with a big chorus, oh. but there were these smaller acapella groups that were just so cool. And I didn't try out. And I, I regret that ever since. Oh,
0: wow. You're, you're talented. Wow. Yeah. Is there a time that you wish you had not done something?
1: Wow. Um, I don't know. I guess I wish. I don't know. I probably wish I had not. In some ways I wish I hadn't quit my job without knowing what I was going to do next because there was, there was a period of time that was like pretty anxiety producing <laughs> when I didn't know what I was doing with my day to day. Wow.
0: Okay, what is your definition of success?
1: Um, I guess my definition of success is is knowing that you've really tried your hardest, not you know not necessarily selling a million books, but knowing that you put out something that hopefully touches somebody. And if it does, that's a success to me. Mm.
0: How do you recharge?
1: Um, I'm, I'm a big believer in, uh, two things, the nap. I, <laughs> I definitely nap and, uh, and like scalding hot showers. I
0: like those So too. that,
1: that usually gets me going again.
0: What are you awesome at?
1: No, oh, geez. Awesome. Um, I'm a very good worrier. I think <laughs> I, I tend to worry a lot about my family and about friends and about, you know, the world. So I think I'm a pretty awesome worrier.
0: What legacy do you want to leave?
1: Um, you know, I hope I leave a legacy of being a caring friend. I hope that I showed my children what it was to be a caring daughter to my parents before they passed. I hope that they see what it means to take care of other people and to understand that that's part of your responsibility as a person.
0: Give the listeners one motivational takeaway.
1: Sometimes I think you just need to go out and, do something, even if you don't really know what you're doing. (laughs) And, you know, I, I hope that motivates you to take a chance on something. I had, I had no idea how to write a novel, honestly, none. And, you know, now I've written three that are out there in the world and, you know, you just need to have a little confidence and take the plunge. So
0: how can the listeners get in touch with you, pick up your books um, I don't know, do you have any other programs or anything like that that you want to, um, let us in on?
1: So they can definitely go to my website and I would love that. I don't, I don't know if hopefully it'll appear maybe with a, a listening note or something here, but it's, um, it's just dot Um, on the website, I have information on all three books, um, and on all sorts of other writing that I've done. There's short stories up there, personal essays, um, all sorts of other things. Um, yeah, that's really it. And the book, you know, the books are all on Amazon. Um, certainly if you go into your own independent bookstore, which is my preference for all of you, because they need to be kept in business. (laughs) Um, if you go in and you can order it, um, you can order any of my books at any indie bookstore. They're not going to be out there on the shelf necessarily, but, um, if you ask for them, they can certainly get them for you.
0: Yes. And, I am an advocate of the independent bookstore as well. So yes, if you have a bookstore in your area that doesn't have the book, but if you ask them to order it, they will order it for you. So definitely that is an option. So definitely do that. Um, Raina, I thank you for being on Trina Talk. Uh, This has been a very interesting conversation. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to actually picking up your book. Are they on Audible too or just the books?
1: Uh, unreasonable doubts is on audible. Okay. The other ones are not yet.
0: Okay. I'll have to go pick those up. Cause yeah, I'm a reader, but you know, I have to get audible sometimes cause I'm too busy too. <laughs> yeah. I hear you. But thank you for being on Trina talk and I-, I wish you much success and I'm looking forward to the books that you have coming out. If you like Trina talk podcast, please don't forget to go out to iTunes and rate it five stars and leave a review. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their life? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving because success is a journey, not a destination.